0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive.
2: That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Stuart Tomk. He is Senior Vice President of Business Development at CV Sciences. We're going to talk to him about the work that they're doing in CBD and really kind of understanding its application, how it really works and helping people with various situations, various ailments, various conditions, and really kind of what do we know about it, what do we not know about it. And then really how does it fit in kind of the larger world of health and nutrition and dietary supplements? I think this is an interesting one because, you know, CBD still has kind of to figure out its path and, and how it's going to go to market, you know, how it's similar or different from you know the other. Cannabis products, the THC-containing products, and really where does the future of CBD go, and how does it fit in kind of this broader category? And really, kind of what do we know about it? What do we not know? And what work are we doing? Kind of understand more. You know, there's a lot of new information coming out around CBD and other cannabis products, and you know, given the fact that we've been kind of on a moratorium of research for so many years, having the stuff start to come out, having people actually starting to do some work and really learning what it really does and how it really works and where we can really use it is, is an important part of where we are as an industry.
3: So with that, Stuart,
2: welcome to the program.
3: Thank you, Bruce. It's great to be on your show.
2: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So before we kind of dive into you know what's going on with CBD today, what you're all focused on in the CBD market, give us a little bit of your background. How did you get involved in this area? How did you get involved in CBD? You know, The whole kind of food and dietary supplement market. What's the background? Tell us the story.
3: Well, I was very fortunate, Bruce. I grew up in a health food store in Chicago in the 1980s. And so I was exposed to really one of the first big movements in self-care. I think a lot of people forget the history while there was a lot of protesting against uh, what was going on in Vietnam. There was equally as much concern about some chemicals, different types of chemicals, defoliants and so forth, pesticides being used in commercial agriculture. So there was yeah. a huge movement here in America towards natural products and organic food. And so I joined the, the, the movement, so to speak, in the 1980s. I was very lucky to get an early indoctrination and, and people might not remember, Bruce, that, uh, America stood up to defend the right to have access to dietary supplements in a way that we had not seen before. It was the greatest social protest in America when they tried to take dietary supplements away. So I was lucky to start early. I went to work for one of the premier dietary supplement companies, and I learned a lot about uh, essential oils and uh, volatile aromatic compounds. So that gave me a great advantage to understanding cannabis and terpenes. And then I went to work for Nordic Naturals, the big Omega-3 company.
2: Oh, yeah i um,
3: very very lucky to spend almost 10 years there as their spokesperson rubbing shoulders with all the experts and scientists at the National Institutes of Health and that was a huge advantage in understanding the endocannabinoid system because the endocannabinoids are made from highly unsaturated fatty acids. So I've been very very lucky to have been introduced to cannabis early to see the role in personal empowerment and nutritional medicine and it's exciting now all these years later to see self-care and how CBD and even THC fits into that is really one of the big conversations today.
2: Yeah. I'm curious, like what, what did you take away from the experiences in these other industries working with these other products? What transferred very, very well into cannabis and what didn't transfer so well into cannabis as you kind of got involved in, in this other industry?
3: I think the arrow of time and the, the adoption curve I mean, if you think about it, uh, I go back to the 1980s, and you were told if you were taking vitamin D to support your immune system, and, and I won't go down the list, but several other things that are accepted today, you know, that was considered very, very fringe. Really? And today now you hear from the highest level from the health experts in the world that vitamin D, for example, zinc, selenium. Some of these things are just non-negotiable parts of maintaining an immune system to keep you even alive today, let alone to defend yourself against a pandemic. So I think the arrow of time and giving time time and giving a very good idea like cannabis time to evolve, I think that's really one of the greatest advantages. And then second... I was very lucky to work at Nordic Naturals to learn about the endocannabinoid system mm-hmm. because it is an endogenous system inside of us mm-hmm. and and I learned about it before knowing much if anything about the interaction of cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system. I came to it from the fatty acid perspective and and from dietary intervention. So it's really interesting to watch all the different disciplines sort of collide together where the endocannabinoid system, nutrition, and self-care are all aligning together.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of remember when I was young in the you know in the 80s, you know, a lot of this sort of vitamin stuff was in Kind of natural health food stores. It was it was a very specific, even a little crunchy, you hmm. know, kind of place where you would get the stuff. And then, you know, now it seems like it's on every CVS and Dwayne Reed and you know uh, Walgreens. You know, shelf has these huge sections for you know supplements and um, food kind of products that are designed for health and and um, you know helping people with kind of functional fitness and stuff like that. I'm curious, how do you see that? Evolving, right? Like, is this what is the trend that we're on and where is it going in terms of these kind of dietary supplement world?
3: Well, if you were to look at, say, just total sales in dietary supplements over the last 20 to 30 years, I mean, it's grown up to north of $50 billion. Yeah. And so the idea that keeping healthy people healthy, let me say that again, Bruce, Mm
0: -hmm. the idea
3: of keeping healthy people healthy didn't sound quite as exciting. Before the pandemic, <laughs> yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. And people were really interested in anti-aging. I spent a lot of time at all the anti-aging conferences and human optimization and biohacking. Yep, and it almost seemed like we were trying to figure out how to do everything we could to extend human life. Mm-hmm. Well, the yep. basics on keeping healthy people healthy, which is all you're really allowed to talk about with dietary supplements. Okay. Even when you do get claims with dietary supplements, they're always couched because you're talking about nutrition. People forget that supplements are highly regulated foods. They're not poorly regulated drugs. I'll say Mm. that again. Supplements are the most highly regulated foods. They're not poorly regulated drugs. And what I mean by that is that there's a completely different risk-reward ratio with producing drugs and bringing drugs to market versus dietary supplements. So the dietary supplements to keep healthy people healthy, to your point, went from the crunchy health food store I used to run the juice bar at, Sherwin's Health Food Store on diversity in Chicago, (laughs) right? To now the most important conversation that any of us can have, how can we remain flexible, healthy, healthy, and resilient at a time where we're facing the end of certainty. So that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to be on your show today to share some of not only what we're doing here at CV Sciences, but also to share how we see this cannabis 2.0, wellness 2.0, a complete intersection of medicine, ethnobotany, pharmacognosy, nutrition, Mm -hmm. all of it colliding together.
2: Well, give us a little sense of the kind of regulatory sort of structures and paths here, because you're mentioning a few, and I think it's important for the audience to understand how this how this works right now. So you've got you've got drugs, right? Regulated by the FDA, you've got to go through clinical trials, prove efficacy, prove safety. And then after a couple hundred million dollars and, you know, probably ten years of work, you can get it approved for prescribing in certain conditions, things like that. And then you've got, you know, dietary supplements, different kind of regulatory system you know, and then you have unregulated areas. I mean, how do you sort of see the kind of categories or, or the different groups here that are, are really kind of structuring how this stuff is getting regulated, regulated and developed from a market point of view?
3: Well, we see three different swim lanes evolving. I was fortunate to join the team here in 2014, which is very early on in the CBD world. Oh. Uh, we had the first labeled CBD product on the shelf in natural product stores called plus cbd and so we do have a little bit of experience at this point and many people at the company came from the pharmaceutical industry and from the dietary supplement space and from washington dc in the regulatory space so we really do have a great team here a great company and a great advantage and i want to share with people that the story in my opinion in our opinion is the most exciting story in the history of fda it's the most exciting story because cannabis hemp is the most controversial plant yet to come into the natural product industry. And there are laws that exist that if a compound has been approved as a drug already, it is just precluded from being allowed to be a dietary supplement. And that's what's currently happening with CBD and YCV Sciences. We always saw three swim lanes, one which was pharma, And we are a pharmaceutical company, we're pursuing an indication with CBD as addressing the symptoms of withdrawal following smokeless nicotine cessation. So drug development will always exist. Number two is the dietary supplement area which we know a tremendous amount about, we'll get into. And then there's the cannabis dispensary schemes that are in the states with legal cannabis. So there'll be three swim lanes. Will it eventually have oversight from a giant group, you know, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, cannabis, something like that? We're in the middle of a giant disruption, as we all know. And I think that all of these categories, all of these different opportunities are being re-rated, re-rated in real time because we cannot predict the future because we don't have clarity on the regulatory scheme. So we are here at CB Sciences, we are excited to participate in as many of these markets as possible. We're currently in the dietary supplement space. We are pursuing an indication in the pharma space, and if the laws are passed in a way that uh, the only place that certain cannabinoids can be sold is in dispensaries, then we'll also, and we are looking and we'll be prepared to participate in that as well.
2: And what, what are the pros and cons of these? I mean, I, it seems like they each have these sort of benefits, <laughs> different costs. Uh, like I guess, why pursue different ones? I mean, other than having just a diversified strategy right now, which one do you think is really the right one for what applications?
3: It's almost split 33, 33, and 33. Yeah. In terms of opportunity, Bruce, because it's so hard to tell. And the only correlate that I think that we have that is close at all, and this is just an analogy because nobody knows for sure, is to take a close look at the omega-3 market. And I spent 10 years with Nordic Naturals, and this is much more public information and cannabinoids. We know a lot more about fatty acids in the omega-3 market than we do about cannabinoids. And we have two FDA-approved omega-3 drugs, And we have a multi-billion dollar omega-3 preventative fish oil market. Mm -hmm. And people are choosing to eat fish instead of fried foods because it might be healthier for you. And so the fact that all of those markets exist simultaneously, we believe that there's opportunity in all three. And we're very, very excited to recently have published in the pharma space – A paper called uh, Cannabidiol Reduces Withdrawal Symptoms in Nicotine-Dependent Rats. It's Mm -hmm. a really great proof of concept. And this is a wonderful paper, Bruce, that upends a lot of the emotion around the entourage effect. Mm -hmm. And for listeners that are just getting comfortable with all these terms, (laughs) there's been a very big push in cannabis, which is the same push we had in health food stores, Bruce. There's been a push in cannabis to say that the entourage of the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the flavonoids, all these compounds together, that that cacophony is magical and somehow is infinitely more effective than isolating any individual cannabinoid. Now, we had that same debate in natural medicine with herbal extracts and with fish oils. And what we've learned is highly concentrated herbal extracts standardized for certain applications really have uh, utility with integrative say health practitioners which is mm-hmm. different than just eating food that actually have spices in your food so that's where i'm seeing the similarity between the uh, romance for the entourage effect in the cannabis world the way that the whole food whole synergy argument in the natural product world was disrupted a little bit by some hardcore science yeah And so we are very big on the idea of us all taking care of ourselves as much as possible. But if you're going to, say, want to use CBD for reducing or preventing the symptoms from smokeless nicotine cessation, based on the research that we're doing and based on the way the drug development process works, you will be working with isolated CBD as we are Mm -hmm. to make that drug. And so that doesn't mean that people can't learn from that. And then ask themselves, wow, if CBD may have benefit, and you're sure you've seen it before, it's not just nicotine, alcohol, stimulants, that CBD may have a role here with this giant epidemic we're having of addiction. Yeah. There might be a real preventative role in people using CBD to help keep healthy people healthy to help regulate inflammation and a healthy circadian rhythm and a good endocannabinoid system. You see where I'm going with that? So I want people to learn that we're not speaking out of both sides of our mouth. There are three different swim lanes. And to your point, they have different ups and different downs.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And um, tell me about the smoking cessation kind of angle that you've taken. I mean, was this was this a, a need you saw in the market, or was this an application you saw with the product and fi- kind of finding the problem to solve? Like, how, do, how did this play out for you in terms of choosing this area to do the research around and to pursue a more f- sort of pharma, you know, pharma kind of approach to developing something and getting it to market?
3: Well, first of all, it's an enormous unmet need. I mean, nicotine yeah. abuse through tobacco smoking you know, is the leading cause of preventable death in the US with an annual loss of life of about 500,000. Yeah. And so we decided to go after smokeless tobacco addiction instead of combustion first. So first okay. it was this unmet need, but then it was the basic science. Bruce, the basic science was so compelling on CBD and addiction and withdrawal And then with the work that we've recently published, which I'll make sure that we get you a copy of the paper so we can put it in the show notes. It's one of the few things that we have done at CV Sciences here that's really being picked up by the media. It's really, really exciting because it's easy to say that CBD might help with addiction. It's another thing to actually go through the approval process. Like We are ready now to go into a phase one trial. We've done Mm -hmm. the characterization, the patent, this basic work, and we're ready to continue. And that's not the only compound that we can look at combining CBD with as we're looking at nicotine for smokeless tobacco cessation. So there's a huge potential runway. You know, this is all aspirational right now. Everything as a public company has already been all disclosed, but we are very, very bullish and optimistic on these findings of cbd for withdrawal from nicotine dependence in rats
2: yeah and doing the clinical trial work is not cheap and doesn't you know isn't doesn't happen quickly i mean what's what's your sense of really what is this process going to look like for you how long is it going to take what are the what have you kind of uh, accepted in terms of a process to really make this you know turn this into something you can take to market from a pharmaceutical point of view
3: well, thank you for, for asking that. That's also part of the reason why we think that we're kind of a unique player. We believe that we stand out at the dance a little bit because we're both a pharmaceutical company and we had the first labeled CBD product on shelf in 2014. The label was called Plus CBD. You know how you kept hearing you can't sell CBD as a dietary supplement? Mm-hmm. Well, we took our hemp extract and we put it through the entire process where we introduced Plus CBD into the food supply. So we meet the definition of what a dietary supplement is. And so we knew it would take time to bring the CBD drug to market. And that's why now with our plus CBD oil in now 8,000 shelves, and we've been in business now for close to seven years, we knew that this was gonna be a long-term play. We knew that by the time the science was evolving, the regulations would evolve. And I think you might have caught yesterday, Bruce, did you see that the FDA rejected two new dietary yeah. ingredients? You saw that?
2: I saw that, yeah.
3: Now, CV Sciences knew that the FDA would reject a new dietary ingredient notification for CBD. Why? Why? Because it's a drug. And when I said this is the most exciting story in the history of FDA, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) This investigational new drug preclusion is Mm -hmm. the most exciting story. It will end up making movies and documentaries because this plant is the plant that's changing everything. This is the only plant that's been capable of disrupting this entire architecture. And what I mean by that is CBD currently is not allowed to be a dietary supplement because it's already a drug and it's approved by the FDA. Once Congress acts, and we are very, very confident that they will... Then companies like CV Sciences can then submit our work to FDA for approval. And if you looked at what the FDA said, Bruce, they didn't like the uh, quality of the work that was submitted. Did you notice that?
2: Yeah, I didn't pick up on the details, but okay. So, and why not? What, what was there? what did they not like about them?
3: Well, process? they said that there's still questions. They said there's still reproductive issues in males mm-hmm. and CV Sciences published in the Journal of Toxicology, sperm motility work. We established the first no L, the no observed adverse effect level. So this is really where the rigor, the expertise, you know, the lawyers, the scientists that we worked Mm -hmm. with all those years ago, we knew it was going to be this complicated. So when they rejected those applications yesterday, we Mm -hmm. knew that would happen Yeah, because their job was to reject it because CBD is not allowed to be a dietary supplement because it's already a drug. So they just did their job. Now Congress will act Then we'll submit our paperwork. And we're very, very hopeful about that.
2: And when you say Congress is going to act, what, what are they going to do and how does it change the landscape?
3: Congress is going to have to tell the FDA what to do. So that's why this is, I said, the arrow of time in the beginning of our conversation. Because can you imagine for a second, Bruce? Just I was thinking about this looking forward to our conversation. Can mm-hmm. you imagine the confirmational bias And kind of the data blindness that so many people have had expecting that all of a sudden the FDA would say this plant that's the most controversial plant pretty much in the history of our civilization, okay, no problem, now you can have it as a supplement. That's not how things work. They need to be told that there's a new law. And now this is what you need. So they were only doing their job.
2: Yeah, exactly. They were enforcing the law as as it was written and how it was set up. So
3: So that's where I think that there can be some a little bit, we can be a little bit smarter and less um, magical thinking in uh, making decisions on which companies to bet on and who's going to have a better strategy to take advantage of this self-care market that's worth billions of dollars. And there's a huge responsibility. I mean, we consider ourselves vanguards of access. You know, the mm-hmm. the one thing that the FDA is very concerned about, they want to make sure that it's safe. They want to make sure that it's consistent. Mm-hmm. So we published formal safety work, knowing where the FDA would want to go. And we keep track of all adverse events and published yep. published the findings of 5 million bottles sold with mm-hmm. no serious adverse events. And we're soon going to publish a paper with 10 million bottles sold. So that kind of data... Makes us feel very, very confident that what we're bringing to market is legal, it is safe, and it is effective.
2: Yeah. And how do I mean, how do you see this playing out with the THC side of things? I mean, I, obviously we're you know dealing with kind of derivatives of the same kind of underlying plant, you know, different cultivars and stuff. But it's you know we, we've kind of created this. You know, CBD is. Kind of legal, and you can grow it and process it on a federal, national level, but THC is still kind of in the state level authorization, federally illegal. Like, wh- where do you see this playing out, and how do you see yourselves kind of navigating this, the kind of the, the different parts of the cannabis plant when it comes to developing these products?
3: Well, the biggest opportunity, in our opinion, happens to be hemp derived THC. Mm-hmm. That ends up being the winner from every perspective. Because 0.3% THC of the dry weight leaf ends up translating into no more than 2.5 milligrams of THC, uh, say, in a gummy or in a serving Mm -hmm. of a tincture. And if you look at the potential application, this is now all anecdotal. There's no science to support this at all. But hearing the feedback from people, the opportunity with hemp-derived THC is may be bigger than the opportunity with uh, high THC chemovars cannabis sold in dispensaries mm-hmm. let's face it the number of people that use those products is pretty solid right yeah it's not yeah. growing now just because it's legal we don't have people going into dispensaries at a level that we you know they, they know the product
2: yeah, yeah.
0: so
3: hemp derived THC I think is a huge opportunity so look forward to many many companies taking advantage of that 0.3% THC, and let's compare it to near beer or mm-hmm. kombucha. Yeah. I remember health food stores had to get liquor licenses to carry kombucha with 0.5% alcohol by volume. Do you remember that yeah. at all, Bruce? Oh, yeah.
2: No, I do remember okay. that, yeah.
3: So once once the feds act and say this amount is decaf, right, what's the mm-hmm. definition of zero? Decaf fat-free, sugar-free, salt-free, none of those are 0.000000, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So once they set the threshold of what is acceptable to be sold in health food stores and in you know consumer packaged goods stores versus sure. the high-octane stuff that's sold over in dispensaries, I think that will help clean up the swim lanes a lot. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's still some confusion right now, obviously a lot of confusion about where these things will be able to be sold, and that's why I said that this whole opportunity is constantly being re-rated because yeah. we still don't yet know.
2: Yeah. How about some of the others, the other cannabinoids and the terpenes and the flavonoids and so? I mean, there's you know, this cannabis produces you know hundreds of compounds, hundreds of molecules in here. I guess how have you kind of investigated these things? You know, what have you kind of learned, and what have you chosen to kind of go to market with, or kind of focus on in terms of product development?
3: Well, the first other cannabinoid we brought to market is called pea palmitoyl ethanolamide it's an endocannabinoid like compound that your body makes Uh it's your body's cbd the science on pea is remarkable it's your body's anti-inflammatory and we just won uh immunity product of the year in 2021 think about what that says for a second bruce natural immunity product of the year Nutri-ingredients with our CV defense that includes PEA, the endocannabinoid-like compound, your body's CBD. So you heard, unlike other companies that brought out all kinds of minor cannabinoids, the first thing we brought out after CBD was PEA. Because it's completely lawful, it's finally available, and in terms of an analgesic, oh my goodness, it is even better Most people haven't even tried it. You need to try PEA. So that's where we put a lot of emphasis. Next, we're looking at CBDA. So we believe there's a lot of opportunity with the CBDA, the cannabidiol in the acid form. Well, you don't see a whole lot in the marketplace about that right now. People are rushing to the other minor cannabinoids. We are not because of the regulatory compliance pathway. And because of our familiarity with the regulatory compliance pathway and having lived through so much with CBD, we're very well aware of the fact that once you concentrate and isolate any of those individual cannabinoids, then those will go through the drug approval process. They will never, ever qualify as dietary supplements. So we're not even putting the emphasis in there at all. Interesting.
2: And guess what What other things are you sort of developing or what other, you know, formulations, additives? I mean, I'm, I'm curious, you know, beyond products from or, or derivatives of the cannabis plant, are there other things that you're looking at introducing into these formulations to create these products or how, how is that playing out in terms of, you know, kind of holistic or, you know, multi-product, you know, multi-source products?
3: Well, thank you. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're, we we're now evolving our look as well. We have two new incredible gummies out. One is called Sleep and the other mm-hmm. one is called Calm. And so now we're really using uh, the most rigorous science and our expertise in the dietary supplement space and on the formulation side to bring in what I'm really calling, we're calling these wellness cannabinoid 2.0 products. So Calm, for example, has 5-HTP, which is what your body uses, right, to make serotonin, 5-HTP, and then L-theanine, if you're familiar with L-theanine, the calming agent in green tea. And say, for example, this Calm gummy, if you were to look at the research on L-theanine for anxiety, and then the research on 5-HTP for also for anxiety and stress, that Mm -hmm. alone can make the claim Calm. Then we add the CBD to it and we put it into a delicious gummy that's colored red from lycopene and they taste more like a, um, more like a jello shot really than some kind of a, of a candy gummy. And so this is a way that we're able to combine products that have proven science together to be able to make claims and then deliver on the promise. And so anyone that's tried any of the calm gummies that are out there, I would highly recommend that you try this. One of the things that I have found so interesting for cannabis users since people listening to this might be using cannabis.
2: Might be, yeah. <laughs>
3: the um, CB1 receptor, which is abundantly distributed in, in the brain, yep. that gets activated by THC also has this role in memory. And so it appears as if L-theanine can block the CB1 receptor a little bit and rescue THC-induced impairment, memory impairment. So the calm gummy during the day has 10 milligrams of CBD, which can help modulate a little bit of anxiety, the 5-HTP for the production of serotonin. You want the right serotonin during the day so you can make melatonin at night. We want CBD during the day, in our opinion, rather than THC because we want to obliterate daytime sleepiness so that you can be set up for proper circadian rhythm at night. So at night then, you would take the sleep, and this one has magnolia bark, lemon balm, and it has um, melatonin. Uh in there with the cbd so we say you know serotonin during the day melatonin at night so these are simple they're beautiful they're delicious they're packed with the therapeutic amount like for example on the 5-htp you'll see there's 50 milligrams in there and then you do the research at pubmed.gov and you find out that's a clinically relevant amount the uh, Mm -hmm. magnolia bark that's in our our sleep product that's great for neurogenesis and helping to you know with brain cell to brain cell communication lemon balm which also has tremendous research and melatonin which we're finding out is something that's being recommended for even the long haulers sleep it's also neuroprotection. so that's really the future for us is to make products that look simple that are very very sophisticated that are packed with efficacious ingredients but that speak for themselves
2: Yeah. Stuart, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about CV Sciences, products, things like that, what's the best way to get that information?
3: Well, our website is pluscbdoil.com, and our YouTube channel, CV Sciences on YouTube, is packed with really great original content that we've made. So please check us out, CV Sciences on YouTube and pluscbdoil.com to learn more about what we're doing. Great. I'll
2: make sure that the links are in the show notes here so people can click through, get that information. Stuart, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Bruce. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time.
1: You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.